The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Why did you choose Benfica instead of Rochester? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really great club, one of the best clubs in the world, and um, so I think I love football, and if you love football, you love Benfica. And it... So Mr. Benfica is saying that uh, he's supposed to be working, but instead uh, he's uh, watching uh, Benfica. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of Mr. Benfica. It is still part of the international break here, and I have a special guest today. We're going to talk about something different. We're going to change it up a little bit. Joining me from the UK is my friend Ray Mundo. He is a groundhopper. You may have seen him on YouTube. Ray, welcome to Mr. Benfica. Well, thanks very much for having me, Mike. Great to be here. I've I've been listening to your podcast. Uh, You're such an enthusiast. Uh, It just... Uh, I think we we share some stuff in common, let's say. I agree. I do agree. Having watched your videos, you do a lot of the things that I, I like to, to watch, a lot of the things that I like to do going to, to matches, even as a neutral, even with no skin in the game, with not worrying about who the two teams are, just to see a match. I'm, I'm very much a junkie for that. Sometimes I'll be in the car driving and there's kids playing in a park and I want to pull over and, and see how the match is going, you know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to start the conversation with one of your recent trips because uh, it includes my club. It includes Benfica. You were at Barcelona for the Women's Champions League match, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I went to the uh, – well, in in Catalan, in the local language Mm -hmm. in uh, Barcelona, they call it the Estadi uh, Johan Cruyff. Johan Cruyff, yeah. In Spanish would be Estadio Johan Cruyff. In English, Mm -hmm. obviously, Johan Cruyff Stadium. Right. Uh, it's a nice place. It's in, I think it's in the complex of uh, La Masia, the, the, mm-hmm. the overall training ground. Right. And uh, it's just a nice modern stadium with, I think it's approximately 9,000 seats, something like that. Nice vibe, though, you know, for, mm-hmm. for people are people are people are buzzing going in there. They're buzzing inside there. <laughs> They're buzzing leaving there. It's, it's a good place. Yeah. And, and it was a good match. Uh I think Befica showed well for, for stretches of it, and they came out not afraid to play Barcelona in that match, knowing last year it was a 9 nothing 
defeat there. So they came out um, not paying Barcelona as much respect, maybe, maybe not overdoing the respect factor. And eventually Barcelona's quality did did uh, make the difference and they do, did find the back of, of the goal. When you have the top two players in the world in, in Aitana Bonmati and Alexia Putejas in your lineup, I mean, that's, you know, those type of players make all the difference. But I was really happy with Benfica's performance that night. And obviously... Anytime I have a chance to watch Barcelona's women's team play, I think it's a treat. I think anyone who hasn't seen them has to see them before they before they pass on women's football. You really have to see it played at its best before you can have a an informed opinion. I think on women's football. Exactly. I mean, it, I'll be I'll be honest. Um, I've always liked men's football, and mm-hmm. um, that's now the third women's match I've been to. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was by far and away the best quality uh, women's match mm-hmm. I've been to, and, and that did really make me start to think differently about it. it yeah, it, you know, it, it really is um, a thing to see. It really is a thing to see. Like you say, Barcelona against Benfica, it's a high caliber game. No mm-hmm. matter, no matter what, which way you look at it, it's a high caliber game. Two elite clubs, and the, yeah. the football quality of the football did match. Did match that. So, yeah, like you say, give it a go, everybody. Yeah, and and you said about ni- the stadium holds about nine thousand. Was it full that night? It wasn't full actually. No, but it was um, a week night after all. <laughs> yeah, but they have uh, filled out. Oh, I think they got was it ninety three thousand. I think they got inside the, At, the, in the main the main Barcelona yeah. stadium. The new in camp, the camp no. last yeah. year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, against Real uh, Madrid. Yeah. I mean, it must have been incredible. I think, I think I, um, I think I watched the highlights, or I saw it in the news or something, and I had to turn the volume down because it's just, <laughs> uh, it was a, what's the word, febrile, right? Yeah, just, uh, you know. And uh, you said you said the Barcelona fans are really behind their women's team. You you got that from visiting. Um, now this is something I notice when I watch Benfica's women's play is the amount of little boys that are excited to see the women play. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of barriers are broken there, and that's a good thing. I think it's great to see little boys wearing a Kika jersey, for example, in, in Barcelona, obviously. Little boys wearing a, a Bonmati or a Putejas, uh jersey. Did, did you see any of that? Did you see boys as well as girls getting behind the women's team and being excited to see well, just football, regardless of who's playing it? Exactly. I mean, um, if for anybody who watches my video, they'll see the first person who I interview. Mm-hmm. Uh well, I, I approached him primarily because he was wearing the, the regalia, you know, the, the mm-hmm. kit. And I mm-hmm. like to, to speak to people who, are, who have got the kit on because it's because it's on video. So I yeah. like to get the full color and everything. And um, yeah, this guy's turned up with the, what maybe his daughter uh, and his mm-hmm. friend. Uh, and they just he had the full kit on. He, he was mm-hmm. very knowledgeable about everything. And this was like a 50 year old man. You know, he seemed like he might have had a couple of beers. He's the type of guy you might see down the bar on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. Well, he's just turned turned up for this game, and um, he was definitely excited about it. He told me all about it. He he said he was there for the the Classico last season in the the Camp Nou when they got ninety three k, and so yeah. And then yeah, there was loads of uh, men there. I saw another guy wearing wearing the Barca shirt with um, one of the players' names on the back. I forget mm-hmm. which one. I mm-hmm. think. Um, one of the Norwegian players, I think. Hansen, sort of Caroline a, Hansen. Yeah, I yeah. Think she's got like two surnames, and one of them is an English yeah. name, Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Caroline yeah. Hansen. Um, uh, now her her English name is is, is but it's, that's who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. she has yeah, exactly. a double surname. Yep. 
exactly no i i wikipedia i looked at her on wikipedia mm -hmm. and it turned out it was her and yeah it's it's cool but i like it it's a nice it's a nice vibe it's a nice uh dynamic that the fact that men are getting into women's 40 is good in what i like ray i like that a lot of the the vitriol and the 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 bad side of football it doesn't seem to be in the women's game you don't have the crowd violence that you may have to worry about going to yeah. You know, a Barcelona, uh, an El Clasico men's match, for example, mm. or for a yeah. Barcelona Espanol match, something along those lines. You don't you don't necessarily have that. You have fans being respectful with each other. There's banter, but it doesn't cross that line. At least it doesn't appear that way. It doesn't come across that way on, on television because you see fans of, of both teams sitting side by side, having a laugh with each other while they watch their teams play. And I think that's a good that's environment good. for kids trying to get into mm. the game and trying to fall in love with this game. Because we know that, uh, it, you know, studies have been done and the the audience for all sport, not just football, is getting older. It's not getting younger. Younger kids are not taking to sport as as um, as strong as we did, say, a generation ago. They're into their video games and they're into other things. But I think a, a, a good environment where they don't feel, you know, intimidated, it can go a long way to improving that and to, you know, to the longevity of the game. And I think the women's game in the future is really going to be a big part of growing the game of football across the world. And I think that when, when we watch when we watch these matches, like I say, is and I tell my son, it's football. It doesn't matter if it's men or it's women playing. Football is football. And the level of the women has gotten to a point where you can say that now and you can watch it and it looks like football. There was a time, I'll admit, it didn't necessarily look the same. It was a much more basic game with a, you know teams re relying more on their athletes. And I think the United States women's team was so good for so long because they had the athletes. They had they had women that could that ran faster, ju jumped higher, and and they were just athletic. They played all these different sports. And when they got to that level, they were just more fine tuned. And now they're becoming footballers, in my opinion. And you can't just put a tall athlete out there and have her run by everybody anymore. Now you have to know what the game and you have to have a tactical approach. And I think you, there's a lot to be learned watching these players play. And what I like about watching in the stadium is you can see all the off the ball action. Because on television, the camera stays on the ball. When you're in the stadium, and if you're a young player and say you're a holding midfielder, you can actually watch the player in your position, what they do when the ball's at the other end of the pitch and what they do and how they prepare themselves and get themselves into the, the parts of the pitch where they can collect the ball and how they read the play. And I think, you know, the it's obviously much more cost-effective to go to the women's game. Um there's room in the stadiums. It's a safe environment, and you don't have to spend a fortune as you might having to go to a Premier League match or a Primeira Liga match in Portugal, depending, you know, on who the teams well, are. It. So, from a ground hopping perspective, yeah. you sort of uh, you get to visit some new stadiums, like for example, mm -hmm. the the, the Johan Cruyff Stadium mm -hmm. is not a stadium which I would have been able to go to right. to watch the Barcelona men's team, for example. Right, right. It's like the the Manchester City women's team. They they. They play at the academy stadium next mm -hmm. door, and I've seen it from the outside. And I want to go in and watch a game, mm -hmm. but uh, the women's game just provides you with an extra opportunity, yeah, to to, to take off some extra stadiums. Yeah, it, it's great, and I, I I do like the direction um, it's going. It's it's something that's still new to me. I've only been following the women's game 
more or less since I've been podcasting because it, it happened that Benfica it launched their women's team around the time I started podcasting. Otherwise, oh, yeah. I may not I may not have even ever opened my mind to this either. I admit it. Um, so I am glad that that it's growing leaps and bounds. Um, Do they play in the um, in the stadium of the in the B team stadium? In the yeah, they play in the as of this year. That's their permanent home. They've kind of yeah. had a rotating uh, home for the first five seasons they play there when it was available when it wasn't they would play at one of the smaller like third division stadiums in the city yeah and they were always yeah. moving around they didn't really have an established home now yeah now, as of this year they're they're playing there and they actually played there last night in the champions league beating rosengard so keep, oh. so they got a, a win and a defeat now and uh they're gonna have uh eintracht frankfurt at the luge in, uh, in the next match day so that's gonna be exciting is, it, is that really yeah yeah wow. yeah they're gonna put in the luge so, so that's gonna be exciting what kind, of, what kind of crowd do you think they might expect for that one then in the in the main stadium so they have they have tried i think they've played three times now in the main stadium always against sporting um and yeah. they've gotten between I think the first logistically they've they've had issues where more people have shown up than have been let in because they didn't have the right staff on hand and they'd only have okay. one gate open. So I know there yeah. was problems last season where thirty thousand might have shown up and only fifteen thousand actually got in. Okay. So hopefully that's you know resolved. They have come close. I believe they have broken thirty thousand before for the women. So that's, that's usually pretty insane, the, really. Yeah, pretty that's insane, isn't it? You, it is, it is. And um and that's I think the number they're looking for when they open the big stadium is to try to get it half full yeah. roughly. Are there any surprising uh, teams in the women's game that we, we don't know about? Like for example, um in some other uh, countries, for example, like in Spain, I think you've got the traditional big two or three, mm -hmm. and then you've also got another club which the men's team is in the lower league, for example, mm -hmm. but the women's team is flying high. Right, right. The investment. Is there anything like that in Portugal or uh, well, yeah, there, well, there's this team that just got promoted this year to the first division. They have, they have their run on foreign investment. They're called racing power FC. No, mm. they play in the Sintra area. They use one of the grounds in Sintra, but, uh, yeah. they don't even have a men's team to my knowledge. Oh, yeah. Um, there's Lanc Villaverdense who have a team in the men's second division. They're actually, the men are in last place in the second division right now, but their women's team have been in the first division. I quite um, like when this happens, though. You know, I, yeah, I, I kind of like that because it's it just means it just makes it means that not every women's club is just a, a a department of a men's club. It's like they can exist by themselves as well. And actually, since you mentioned the the, the winningest women's football team in Portuguese history history is actually one you visited. It's Primeiro de Zembro. They I don't even think they have the women's outfit anymore. I if they play, they play in the very lower leagues. But they won like something like twelve straight titles in the. 90s really? and early 2000s yeah wow. and most like uh benfica's manager played for them when she was a player okay. uh and and they were just dominant uh, and they were the only portuguese team playing you know attempting to get into whatever the iteration of the champions league was called in those days for the women but yeah yeah. That's one club that probably has the most history in the game but today sadly plays in the lower levels they they went through financial problems or something and um by the time the big you know, Benfica and Sporting and Braga had women's teams. They had already kind of disappeared from the national spotlight. So we never got to see that clash of old and new kind of uh, meet up. Yeah. Those eras really collide with each other. But that that is one club that I hope to see come back up the ranks because uh, 
they yeah, they've won I mean, the most titles, so I want to see them. Hopefully, we there. should be we should be in an era now where the, the in terms of financial stability, mm-hmm. we shouldn't see we shouldn't see too many more clubs go going bust. You know, because mm-hmm. that's that's not really a thing that happens too much in men's football, is it? Let's face it. So right, it shouldn't happen too much in women's football either. Mm-hmm. Since since we talked about uh, Primero December, I'm going to segue there now. Um, I'm going to have you talk about that because you visited that club in Sintra, and. Yeah. Um, I watched that video. I I love the fact that you got one of the players' mothers on the video <laughs> talking about, I'm here because my son plays and, and I'm supporting <laughs> my son. And you also got to speak to maybe a future, a future Angel Di Maria <laughs> there. A, a, an, Argentine, an Argentine player playing at, at, at uh, Primer de Zembro's Youth Academy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your visit to Primer de Zembro? Well, um, so I was in uh, Lisbon for a week, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that was the same week when I went to see Benfica play against mm-hmm. uh, RB Salzburg. And uh, well, I used the footballogy app. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. The the footballogy mm-hmm. um, is basically you, t- you 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 put your location in, and it and it tells you all the games that are happening within a certain radius of you. So that's amazing. You can you can find some really low level games. Because as we mm-hmm. as we both uh, we both know we're, we're both fans of uh, all levels of football. Yeah, absolutely. So I've seen this Primero de Dezembro, and it, when it's written down, it kind of looks funny because it's like zero one full stop, and then yeah, it, it yeah. First is, is is one zero to say Primero. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I thought I thought well, you know, I'll, I'll give it a go and I'll <laughs> see what happens. So I get the train up to Sintra. Mm-hmm. And then walk from the train station in Sintra to uh, the was it Sao Pedro or something mm-hmm. through the village of Sao Pedro to uh, the football stadium. And when I got there, I was completely taken aback because, like so many of these lower league uh, stadiums in Spain and England and Portugal, it's an incredibly well-run place with a, a great vibe and um, dedicated fans. You know mm-hmm. who are just there for a nice afternoon. And they they want to support their team, but they're not they're not brought flares and they've not they've not brought like <laughs> yeah. uh, wep- weapons and stuff. You know they're just mm-hmm. there for a nice nice afternoon, and that's pretty much what happened to me as well. Just to film some uh, filmed a couple of conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked like a bit of a weirdo walking around with my camera, but <laughs> in in the end it turned out all right. Yeah, I, I always feel that way too. Because I'll sit there. I I use I use a little iPhone. I could even show you. I have it here. It's it's right here. This is what I use when I film, and it's I don't even yeah. use this as a phone anymore. It's just my camera, and I I'll sit there all game like this, yeah. <laughs> all all game, and uh, people do look at me funny, but uh, in the end, I'm I'm glad I, I I get those moments, and I I can do something with it. Let that creativity run. Exactly and, exactly, and document you know the experience, which is is something I enjoy doing. The Premier December plays in the the Liga Three, which is a league I actually cover. Um, I started a spinoff podcast a yeah, year ago. Yeah, I've been listening. It's great. I yeah, love it. I I, I the idea Liga Three in English. Yeah, exactly. And the the idea came to me when my local club drew Benfica in the cup. Okay, so that's basically my two worlds met there. Um, my father's local club, I should say, where my father was born and grew up. And yeah. uh, I realized recording the recap of that show, I was talking much more about my about Kaldish, my local club, than I was about Benfica. And I'm talking about yeah. players nobody had ever heard of, except me, because I watched them on the, the 
Canal 11 app every weekend because they or yeah. on YouTube. I've watched the team play. So I'm talking about players and I, mm. as it's going, it wasn't my plan. But as the recap is going, I'm talking more and more about the small club because, well, there's a third division club that is all amateur with no professionals. I Three professionals, excuse me. They have three players to professional contracts on taking Benfica all the way to penalty kicks in the third round yeah. of the Portuguese Cup. So I was overcome with, with a little bit of, of pride for that and just I mean, it, it was classic. It, those of us that played, you know, that didn't make the top levels can relate when a guy gets injured and suddenly the striker had to go to play center back, for example, because this is the level they're at and this is the depth they had. So there was one player who played like four positions for Kaldish in that game. And he started at striker and finished the extra time as, as a center back because they were just out of center backs. And I'm like, I should talk about this level. I go, I watch all these games. Why, why don't I, why don't I? So I, the next week I said, I'm going to try something. If this, if you guys like this, let me know. I'll keep doing it. And it, I got new listeners that I didn't have before because when you're Mr. Benfica, uh, a fan of Sporting or a fan of Porto is not going to tune in to listen to your yeah, podcast yeah. by and large. Sometimes they do. I have spoke to a few who, who do enjoy getting that perspective, but, but suddenly I'm talking about their, their, you know, their small town team where their grandmother was born. And they're hearing through the grapevines, and suddenly they're like, "Hey, this is good. This, you know, they're like, thanks for, for covering the, uh, you know." And then I'm getting questioned, "When are you going to cover the fourth division? When are you going to cover the fifth division?" <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it, it, it's a fun level because you have a mix of professional and amateurs, at least in Portugal, in the third level, and you never there is parity in the league. You never last place can beat first place, and it's not. Yeah a crisis it's just something that happens sometimes and there's good players and there's been a, i think 12 or 15 players since the 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 level was rebranded as a national third division a few seasons ago that have made the jump to the first division so and a couple okay. of them uh, a couple of portus players actually came from there wilson manafa was playing in this league when it first started in the yeah. third division so the talent is there well, Mike, now, I've, um, in my team, there's a mm-hmm. there's a player, my team, Nottingham Forest, there's a player, mm-hmm. he's played in the top five divisions of English football. And he's, mm-hmm. he's about 26 years old. Yeah. And, uh, Ryan Yates, and he's yeah. a proper player. Like, he's just been the National League, the League Two, League One, Championship, and now the Premier League. It's, right. It's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And that I love those stories. I think, was it Sammy Hippia who did the same thing at, at Liverpool? He had okay. made it through. I think he made it through five levels of, of English football. Also, eventually, yeah. just signing with the better team each way and finding his way yeah. all the way to Liverpool, which is. And I think he won the Champions League as well with them. Um, yeah. Where else? Since we, we we started on Portugal, where else have you visited in Portugal? Any any place we don't know about that uh, you know that someone traveling to Portugal should check out if they want to take in a, so, a match. Um, well, let me just uh, double check my uh, my my playlist of Portuguese mm-hmm. clubs. One sec. So, uh, I mean, there was one in particular, but I didn't make a video about it. But let's mm-hmm. see. So, That's I went fine. to Lu- Lusitano, mm-hmm. and then I went to Estrela in Port- Porto Alegre, okay, Fardil in Barreiro, and then mm-hmm. Primero de Dezembro. Yeah, I mean, yeah. um. To be fair, I enjoyed that Lusitano. I enjoyed the mm-hmm. Lusitano when it's in um, in the very southwestern tip of Portugal. Here. Mm-hmm. It's a town called Vila Real de Santo Antonio. Okay. And, um, and it's cool because um, 
Well, I got I got off the train station. There's there's a train line which runs all the way down the south coast of the Algarve. Okay, uh, yeah. So I got off the train in uh, Villarreal de Santo Antonio, and then um, mm -hmm. I walked through the center of town, and I I seen this um, what do they call it? Like a peña, a peña, mm -hmm. like a supporters club of uh, okay of Benfica. But it's yeah. one of those. It's like a huge, uh, a huge, huge uh, premises, and it has restaurants. I think it was a Casa uh, Benfica, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Casa de Benfica yeah. has yeah. has like a a club shop with everything, every single mm -hmm. thing you could think of with Benfica yeah. written on it. And um, <laughs> but then I, I moved on from there, and uh, and I got to the stadium, had a good look around. It's it's a beautiful place. And then I ended up uh, my plan. Well, as was part of my plan, I ended up getting on the boat and crossing over into Spain to go to carry on my trip to uh, to Seville. That was the that was oh, the nice. trip. And yeah. That, that's exactly how it how it happened, and it was a pretty cool place, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Not not huge fan base, I don't think, from mm -hmm. my uh, what I found out afterwards. But yeah. it's a cool cool stadium, and uh, you know, uh, who knows? I think I think they think they have a history. Yeah, and some of these towns are so small that it is hard for them yeah. to get fan bases. They and you know through the magic of promotion and relegation, sometimes you can get. There's one club in the first division now, Aroca. Very very small town, so they where average. Is, where is that exam? Where it's where, in? Where it's up near Aveiro, in the about. I'd say, I'd say it's an hour or two from Porto, south of Porto, maybe yeah. a little less and a little closer to Porto than that. But yeah. um, they, they, it's a tiny town, so they, you know, their stadium holds three thousand or four thousand. I don't yeah. even think they have that many people in their town. <laughs> and, Seriously. Um, so they're always, you know, they're regularly under a thousand fans per home match in uh, in yeah. the Portuguese league, unless you know the opposition brings a large number of fans. And they got a investor that that ran for president and that put some of his own money into it and decided he wanted to bring this team to the first division. And yeah. you know, they went up the they they went from the fifth level to the first level. They had a slight setback. Got got relegated once back to the second level, maybe even back to the third, if I'm not mistaken, before they regrouped and came back up and, you know, played in the Europa Conference League this year. They were un unfortunate not to get out of the qualifying round, at least out of the the first qualifying round. But, I mean, th this is a, a tiny town. It's it's You wouldn't know of it if it were if they didn't have a club in the first division. So what so, do you think what do you think is going through the head of someone like uh like Vlacodimus or like uh Rafa Silva when they when mm -hmm. they turn up at Aroca and walk out the tunnel and see this place? What do you think is you going know, through their head? That that's a great question. And I, I mean I think they get used to it because if they're playing for Benfica, Benfica's fans invade these stadiums. And uh even most of the the Aroca fans not I shouldn't say most. They probably have more Porto fans than they do have Benfica fans within their fan base. But there are, you know, season ticket holders for Oroca or for uh, Casa Pia or one of these smaller clubs that are also, you know, socios of Benfica that are Benfica fans. So a lot of times they go into yeah. that match. That's the that's the one time a year they don't root for the local team. They don't pull for their local team. Um, so I think what happens is a lot of the atmospheres outside the stadium when the Benfica bus arrives in these small towns. The entire the roads are like flooded with people in red jerseys really? because there's so few tickets to get to get into the stand. Because again, yeah. they hold two or three thousand people, so that the majority of the people flock to the city center and to the outskirts of the stadium to to see the bus arrive. 
And that that's where you see the smoke and the flares and everything because there's less regulation out there. There's the, the police isn't as as numerous as inside the stadium. And I think it's gotta be I, I'd love to know what a, a player like you mentioned Flacodimo, so like a, a Di Maria, even though he's been in Di Portugal Maria. before. Di Maria, you know, yeah. someone who's brand new to Portugal saying, Where the heck are we and why are all the why are these our why are our fans in this stadium, you know, four hours from home? But I would love to know what they they think about that. But I think uh, Rafa Silva, he he came from, he played his way up from these small clubs, so he's familiar with them. Um, yeah. I think he, he's originally from Vila Franca, which is outside of Lisbon. Um, Imagine Di Maria though, Di Maria. Yeah. Like you said. One minute right. he's winning the World Cup, one yeah. next minute he's playing in Eruca. Right, exactly. It's 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 got to be quite a trip, as we say in American English, a trip. Um, it's just a whole. Where am I? Kind of kind. Of, what what parallel universe have I have I gone <laughs> to here? And uh, it, it, I think it's one of the great things about football, though, is that the yeah. the different levels collide with each other. For example, in the NBA, the Boston Celtics don't go play a team in the middle of nowhere in a cup game you know uh, of, right, of amateurs yeah, yeah, yeah. where only a thousand people can get in for example yeah it's, it's one thing i think that's great about football regardless well, where it's it like is. um mm-hmm. yes no on saturday when i went to this mm-hmm. game in spain mm-hmm. and, um and i've seen i went to a game in spain where previously it's a very low level but two weeks yeah. before that uh, athletic bilbao had turned up in the cup Mm-hmm. And for for this home team, Ruby, it was the biggest game in their history. Sure, Athletic Bilbao is a huge club, obviously. Um, and uh, but uh, touching on what you just said a couple a minute or so ago, it's like that's one of the things I love about football, and and one of the reasons why I love it is because it these players it shows these players they are actually humble for all the mm-hmm. millions that they get. They do yeah. actually have that inbred they have that in inbred humility humility you know like mm-hmm. it, not not many of them are turning up and and looking at the fans and and, and gesturing at them like saying who are you you know I've right won the World Cup. that's true okay it might happen occasionally but very rarely like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's respect they're walking out the tunnel you see look at their faces it's respect they're like mm-hmm. yeah okay this is a smaller stadium than what i'm used to but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i still have to play i yeah. still have to earn my money today yeah. I like that. I like it's that humility which which too often people in in everyday world are lacking. I think. Yeah, that's a great point. And to to mention, Benfica recently traveled to the Azores, to these islands in the middle of the ocean, yeah. these Portuguese islands. They to play on an island they hadn't played on since I think the early seventies, and the entire island I think turned up for that match <laughs> against Lusitania, and they did. They took it very professionally. They didn't show up like it was a friendly match. You know, they're playing against amateurs from the fourth tier um, on a weekday afternoon, mind you. It was a Friday yeah. afternoon because the stadium didn't have proper lighting to play at night. And Seriously. Normally, normally what happens in that situation is the match gets moved to another location. But it being an island, it, that match had to be played on that island. They drew the home leg. It had to be played on that island, in my opinion. It, you lose all of the romanticism all of the everything that makes it special if you move it somewhere else and those fans aren't there and and it, it they turned up and they played and you know you got a joao mario scoring a goal and celebrating like he just scored against the first division team and, and, and you what know, was the score again in the end it finished that? 4-1 in the end 4-1 but it's it, respectable it, it, it's respectable and it got to 2-1 at one point because lusitania got a, a penalty 
and the kid turned up and, and converted it. And he had to have been the most nervous he's been his entire career to take a yeah. penalty against Benfica in the cup, you know, yeah. right before halftime, uh, playing in front of, you know, a full stadium that they normally play in that's largely empty. So he turned, you know, he, he, he gets up there and he, he keeps himself composed enough to convert the penalty. They go in, I think they go into halftime two to one and it's, it's, it's a game. It's, it's a game at that point. And we've seen giants fall to these teams all around the world in these cup competitions. And it's, I just remember feeling very, very happy for those fans, regardless of which team they were supporting, because that type of a match belongs to everyone. And it could have been Porto. And you could have been a Benfica fan from the island, from Terceira. And that's a special match for you because it's it's your local club taking on one of the giants you watch, normally watch on TV. And now you, they're, in your, they're on your island. They're in your city. They're in your stadium. And it's packed. You, you know, everybody that could get a ticket got one. And here are your, you know, your local players who you probably pass in your day-to-day at the well, bus station at the, the cafe. Local supermarket. Right, they, they do a lot of times. That that's a lot of times what they do during the day, and they train at night. You're right; that is most of what they do. So you've seen these guys, and here they are taking on. In this case, you know, taking on a, a João Mario or a a Arthur Cabral who played because he needed he needed to get on form, you know, and a Nicolas Otamendi who had played for Argentina 36 hours before and still went into the starting lineup because. He's Nicolas Otamendi, and he's the backbone of this team. And if he's available, and João Neves, exactly. Exactly. By PSG, Man City, Man United. Right, right, exactly. And here he is playing against, you know, the guy who who slices your deli meat (laughs) at at the local supermarket. So I think, you know, these are moments that the game gives us and gives people that I don't, I may be, I may be unaware, but I'm not, but the other sports don't quite deliver in this in this uh, realm I don't believe um I don't think in cricket or in rugby you see this type of a uh, of a dynamic uh, I could be wrong but to my knowledge I you don't right. think you're right yeah definitely yeah yeah football is special in that way definitely yeah and cup competitions make it make it uh you know it may, make it all the all the more special it make those those it makes those events possible because you know you have teams. we say we say in England the magic of the cup the right exactly it is and, and you know I know the cups have become somewhat of a nuisance for the big clubs because they don't they don't like to travel they don't want to get embarrassed they want to focus on Europe and whatnot and um, it's great that that the little clubs don't let these cups go away they can't let themselves be overpowered by by the money of the big clubs because at its essence, this is what football is really about in being a people's game and bringing, you know, the best players in the world to a tiny town in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean to play for 90 minutes and I mean, the I winner think, advances. I think there was a time, I think there was a time, say, Arsene Wenger, he started, mm-hmm. he, he had a reputation for uh, undervaluing the cup. Yeah. But to be honest, I think, I mean, I think Manchester City have won the League Cup maybe four or five times in a row now. So, mm-hmm. the, I mean, the best manager in the world, Guardiola, he he must he be taken it. seriously. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that maybe maybe that was a phase when they they stopped taking it so seriously. But mm-hmm. now I think I think it's more of a tendency to to actually just try and pick up the trophies. Yeah, maybe. yeah, I think so because now you're hearing more and more, you know, a tally of who's got the most trophies and and well, yeah. if it's you're if the difference you're, between getting sacked and not if you're the manager. Right. 
And if you're Manchester City, you have years and years and years to make up on on your rivals who are collecting trophies. So you want to get every trophy you can, while yep. Manchester United are in the in the state they're in right now. So exactly, yeah, it's it, it is good and it, it feeds those local rivalries. Uh, I want to go back to Spain for a moment because you you've traveled in Spain pretty uh, extensively. You've been to a number. A lot of your videos, if I'm not mistaken, are in Spain, right? Is that more so yeah, than, I mean, than any I other place? My, I think I posted my number 35, mm -hmm. well, my 35th video uh, today. No, last night, sorry. And I okay. think out of that, maybe 20 have been in Spain or maybe yeah. 21. What, what's different about football in Spain? What's special about football in Spain maybe that doesn't you don't see in other places well, or attending football? <laughs> I'm not sure if I can pinpoint anything in particular okay. that's different. Maybe I can, but but what I can say is that I like it a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I like it a lot. You know, the the stadiums are very smart. I mean, I think I think a lot of people throughout the world have been inspired by uh, Guardiola's Barcelona team, mm -hmm. and um, you know, all the tiki taka and the fact that Bar uh, Spain went and won the World Cup and the Euros. Mm -hmm. What was it? Three times in a row. Three times. Yeah, in a row three in tournaments in a row. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people throughout the world have been inspired by that, but I think probably most most in Spain, mostly mm -hmm. in Spain. You know, like I, I've made four videos in the last week in Catalonia, the region mm -hmm. where of which Barcelona is the capital. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I mean, um, if you live anywhere in Catalonia or Valencia, how can you not be inspired by mm -hmm. Barcelona philosophy? You know, mm -hmm. it's it's because it's not just the tiki taka nature of the football that's inspiring; it's the it's the professionalism of the of the mm -hmm. uh, of the team, it's the it's the dedication because th that's also what they had. It wasn't just skill and talent; right. it was de professionalism, and dedication, and that's what I see at these small grounds that I go to. See dedication, like you know, I seen uh, one game the other day where it was there was maybe fifty fans there, but the guy scored the goal, and this was maybe tenth tier something like that. Mm -hmm. He went over to the fans, got down on his knees, and put his fingers up to the sky like this, like as if mm -hmm. to say, thank you, God. It's like, yes. like he's, it's like he scored the winning goal in the World Cup final playing mm -hmm. for Brazil. It's mm -hmm. just, this is the seriousness they take it with. And yeah, you do see that in a lot of countries, but I feel like Spain is a, a fine example of that, to be honest. So you're finding that the teams in the lower levels do try to play the football the same way that, that the top teams are playing. They're not trying to, to you know, drop two deep lying lines of four and, and, and not come out and trying to play for zero, zero as much as maybe in Portugal, for example. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that they, they go for the tiki taka. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that I think, I just think they, they're, they're, they're quite pure in, in a way that they're, okay. they, they play hard, mm -hmm. they play hard, but they play fair as well. You know, mm -hmm. and you don't always see that in England, for example, um, you go down the levels, maybe you might see some crunching tackles, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, th I just feel like Spain is it's very pure, like they, mm -hmm. they, they got, they've got their football right. Uh, okay. Also, a lot of them, a lot of the teams, in fact, probably more than half of them these days in the third division or lower, they're playing on artificial pitches, okay. which not everybody will like. But the truth is, it's a, it's a smart smart surface to play on because you can yeah. play some quick football on there you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're not you're not going to be playing on these sand pits or any uh boggy marshes or anything like that right when you compare it to what the pitches used to be 
that it, it's yeah. definitely an improvement. Maybe it's not, you know, it's not the pitch at the cup. No, but it, it is, you know, if you're not getting that top level natural grass pitch, it is yeah. a good alternative because it's not easy to maintain a good grass pitch. You need a full staff that, that work on it all day, every right. day. And you got to keep people, you got to keep people off it. That's the other thing about keeping a natural grass pitch. Yeah. So the resources aren't there at the lower level. So yeah, if they install these good artificial pitches, these synthetic pitches that can then become, mm. you know, they can train in the stadium. They have more space to train. Cause I know, especially in Portugal with smaller teams that have youth teams, training is an issue. They, they just don't have the space for all of these teams. And you've got the first team training at 10 o'clock at night as a result sometimes, because you're not going to have the kids train at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of times the artificial pitches solve a lot of these problems. That's it. That's it. I think another thing that I like about Spanish football is it's it's very accessible for me as an English mm -hmm. person, you know, like mm -hmm. um, because English people have actually got a long history of uh, visiting Spain mm -hmm. um, and Spain is a very, it's a very traditional country, but it's also a very, it's a country that welcomes tourists. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm a, I speak very good Spanish, but, you know, I don't look like a Spanish person. Mm -hmm. Anybody seeing me from 50 meters away, they'll think, ah, oh, here, Here's another German guy come to take mm -hmm. pictures of our uh, churches, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but that's not really a problem for them. They'll, they'll, they, they won't think I'm Spanish, but they'll accept me. And yeah, I, they're I welcome. Safe there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't see any crowd. I don't see any crowd violence. I don't see mm -hmm. like in the. It's been going on in France recently, and in yeah, sometimes in Italy as well. Mm -hmm. I don't see any. I don't see any of that. Uh, I just feel quite welcome, and and the tickets are not too expensive. Often. Um, yeah, and I just turn up and, and watch the game and everything's good. It's, it's, a, it's a nice place to watch footy. In the lower levels of Spain, are they, are they selling burgers? Are they selling, uh, you know, sausages? Are they, is there any type of food market in the stadium at those lower levels? I mean, personally, I would say that the food uh, in Spanish stadiums is be better than in English stadiums because mm -hmm. they often have um, – the stadiums are often quite spacious. Uh, yeah, around around the pitch, there's often a lot of space, and so, for mm -hmm. example, in one corner of the stadium, they might have a, a basically what 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 is a, essentially a cafe bar, sure, you know, and then the, you'll have people sat around like the 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 parents of the players, their kids, you know, like the general public, they're mm -hmm. sat drinking coffees from normal cups, not not like in England, not from, paper, <laughs> yeah, cardboard cups, yeah, like, right, for a ridiculous price. We paid like uh -huh. three four pounds a coffee. It's crazy. Uh huh. Uh, and and they'll serve they'll serve sandwiches there like they'll serve all sorts there. Sometimes cool. the lower you go, sometimes the better the food is actually. Well, that that can be a marketing uh, tool if they get a reputation for having good stadium food. It can attract people yeah. in. When the lower you go, the more competition you have for people, obviously, because there's more clubs at the lower levels and the clubs are closer together, typically. Um, yeah. So that, that that is interesting to know. So let, let's go to, to your home country, to the UK now. Let's talk about the lower levels there, because the whole world knows about Wrexham AFC. Uh, they have yeah. a docu-series and they got Hollywood owners and, you know, they're making their journey up the table. But there's another club that's right there with them making the same journey without the Hollywood owners. And I think they're very close to where you live, right, in, in Knotts County. And, yeah, um, yeah. and uh, you can see the two different ways that these two teams are trying to get to the same place. And they're both finding their uh, success in it. What What's it like attending a match 
perhaps in the National League, for example, the fifth tier, or in League Two in 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 England. And um, I know you've visited a couple of other clubs in non-league, which I, I want to let you talk about as well. But first, on on the Notts County, how do you summarize their project and and how it's going? And um, what's it if you've attended? What's it like to attend a Notts County match? Well, I've been to about four or five Notts County games. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a excellent stadium. It's mm-hmm. approximately seventeen thousand seats. Wow! And uh, it's truly a nice stadium. Like any fan who goes there, they'll tell you, yeah, nice stadium. You know, it's mm-hmm. proper, compact, and it's tidy. It's symmetrical. You know, it sounds silly, but I like I like it when things are symmetrical. You know, nice mm-hmm. rectangle. And it's, yeah. it's a cool place, black and yellow um, mm-hmm. themes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, the fans are absolutely crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Even when they went down to the fifth tier, mm-hmm. so the National League in England, they they traditionally, they spent the last 30 years hovering between uh, the third and the fourth tier mm-hmm. in England. They unfortunately went down to uh, the fifth tier, National League. And yeah, I have to say, they were getting crowds of 10,000 sometimes. Yeah. So. They're taking crowds of maybe one or two thousand away to, to away games. It's just unheard mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. It's unheard of. Like, yeah, there's a lot of good fan bases in in that at that level, but nothing like that level. I think I think they broke the actual. I think they actually broke the attendance record mm-hmm. for the fifth tier something like three times in, in that season <laughs> when they were down there. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. and they make noise as well. You know, I listen to the the, the local radio station for my team. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also commentate on the on Notts County, mm-hmm. and uh, you hear the the managers of Notts County, and they they're just lost for words because they travelled down to London, for example, to a, a non-league ground, and it's like the Notts fans have just come. They brought one two thousand people, and they just they sung their hearts out for the entire game, mm-hmm. and it's it's uh it's tremendous. It's it is literally a twelfth man. It's like having a twelfth man. Mm-hmm. It's not just a it's not just uh what people say. It's actually the truth. Yeah, and it, and there's a purity of supporting a club regardless of what level they play in. That's you know, there's a lot. There's certain I think supporters that when their team goes down, they pick another team, or they 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 don't go for a little while. They 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 can't take the heartbreak, right? And they I just and thought they, they might. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just thought I, I, while we were on the subject. Um, yeah. I've actually got a song in my head, which, uh, right. <laughs> which I, I picked up when I went to a game once. I actually went to an away game with them a few years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know, you can edit it out if you want. After oh, no, no, I'll, go ahead. I'll sing go it ahead. for you anyway. Sure, so, go for it. So basically, the, the Notts County fans, they're referring to the fact that they've been to all sorts of big clubs. And yeah. now they're playing at this level. So it goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me just take my video off. So I'm not looking at myself when I do it. All right. <laughs> it goes like this. We've been to Sunderland and Liverpool. Etihad Juve, that's Juventus. So yeah. We've been to Sunderland and Liverpool, Etihad Juve, and now we're going to Solihull, Solihull away, Solihull away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, perfect. i tell you what, I was, I was literally laughing in the stand because I've heard some good songs over the years, but that's, that's, that takes number one brilliant. spot. That no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, and, and it's, it, it is the up and down, it's the ups and downs of supporting a club through and through. Right through the good times, through the bad times, um, it's you know, and now that they're you know near the top of League Two, they're just like Wrexham. They're both in contention for you know successive promotions, and I just think that there is a 
an honesty at that level of the game too. They're playing the game for the game's sake. I know they're professionals yeah. in England, even in League Two, they're well taken care of, but they're still they're they're playing the game for the game's sake. They're playing for the shirt, as we say sometimes in Portuguese, we say playing for the shirt uh, yeah. or for the badge. And you know, the supporters are there. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It doesn't matter if it's Tuesday night in the rain. It doesn't matter what the conditions are. There are supporters that, that are there. And they're going to go with them every step of the way. And if they're relegated, they're going to be there again next year. Oh, and, they have an extremely realistic um, yeah. realistic way of looking at their club. I mean, yeah. if you, I'll sing another song, if you don't mind. Um, sure. They, 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 you've heard about this, the British sense of humor, self-deprecation. You, I think you've heard of that mm-hmm. probably. Okay. You know, like yeah. basically mm-hmm. make, poking fun at yourself. Yes, yes, so yes. This is, this is the... This is the number one go-to song for Nuts County fans, and it has been for years. Apparently, it's just—it's a simple song. It sounds a bit silly, but this is literally what they sing. Mm-hmm. They just sing, "I had a wheelbarrow, the wheel fell off. I had a wheelbarrow, the wheel fell off. County, county. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. it. So like, I had a wheelbarrow, and the wheelbarrow yeah, fell, off. fell off. That's it. And you just, just keep pushing. That's their song. <laughs> yeah, that's their exactly. Answer. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Tell me a little bit about some of the other clubs you visited. I know there was one in in particular. The name is escaping me now. But you spoke to the burger man who was who was making the burgers, and and you talked to some of the supporters. Uh, to, go ahead and just freestyle a little bit about some of those uh, other small clubs there in the UK that really encapture the the essence of football and what it's like to be. Uh, a fan yeah i mean in um so in non-league so obviously the the the, the top four tiers are in the league and right and the fifth tier is sort of the that's the top tier of the non-league mm-hmm. and that's got some reasonable size clubs in and then once you go below that you know you've got some some clubs which are not too big but they're quite well organized mm-hmm. and one of the biggest ones at that level at least in where i live is called ilkeston ilkeston yeah, town that's and, the one. yeah you're <laughs> You're right. I made a video about it. I think it was approximately number of, my fifth video. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my videos are listed in uh, numerical uh, order yeah. mm-hmm. on my on my channel. Um, so yeah, I mean uh, it, that's quite close to where I live as well, actually. And um, I, I actually got the bus up there, and then and then it, it's just an incredibly well-run club. It, it really is. I mean, they've invested in it. They've invested in the pitch primarily. They put they put a lot of money into that playing mm-hmm. surface. But they, they they make good money off it. They uh, they rent the pitch out to sort of uh, amateur teams and you know mm-hmm. like just friends playing between themselves. Yeah. They'll charge maybe hundred pound an hour or something between sure, ten sure. people, something like that. I don't know. I'm just making it up. Mm-hmm. But that's sure, sure. They make they make good money, so it's mm-hmm. a good business model because uh, that's what it all comes down to. At the end of the day, you have to survive, don't you? At that yeah, level. absolutely. Um, but they have a dedicated fan base because um, it's a town of approximately thirty thousand people, Ilkeston. And um, and yeah, I went down there and I spoke to some of the fans. At this point, I was still I was still only in my fifth video, so I was a bit nervous, to be fair. But I spoke to the guy who runs the club shop. He he gave me a little uh, talk around, of, around around his merchandise, which was nice. And then um, and then I spoke to the guy who runs the burger shack. But he he also he's one of them. He, he's like, oh yeah, I make the burgers, but I also uh, coach the under thirteens. Yeah, like that. <laughs> right, 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 right. But he's just like a club guy. He just knows yeah. everything about the club. So he told me all about how they've got something like 50, 70 different teams throughout mm-hmm. kids, women, like uh, men. Mm-hmm. You know, 
it's just uh it was a nice experience and and that's the kind of club where i actually mentioned it in the video where um it's a it's a place where players who get released from for example local academies so for example mm -hmm. derby county academy sure. or nottingham forest academy they can go to clubs like ilkeston town for a second chance yeah and uh, you know that that does happen like i don't know if do you know the player che adams it's not coming to mind, but um, he's he plays yeah. for Scotland and, and okay. Southampton. Okay, and that's what happened to him. He sort of, mm -hmm. I think he dropped out of a youth academy, a professional youth academy, and mm -hmm. he went to Ilkeston. And okay, he's, he's from there. It was like a trampoline, a springboard yeah. back up into yeah. the, to the league, and then. So that's one of the magical things about these clubs, in my opinion. Yeah. And the, but the other thing is that you get some um, some players who have played higher up. And as they gradually drop down the levels, right. they, they end up at a club like that. And and then so you hear all of a sudden, oh, this player who used to play Premier League, uh, mm -hmm. used to play called Leroy Lita. He was okay. played for Reading in the Premier League about 15 years ago. And all of a sudden, you read in the paper, in the local paper, oh, he, he signed for Ilkeston. So it's a, <laughs> right. it's, a reason for, it's a reason for people to go and uh, check the club out, isn't it? It you is. Know. And you know what? Those players are important too, those guys that have been oh, there. Yeah. When I was working in the lower leagues here in the United States, we had a couple guys that had played in the MLS that we brought in for that specific reason. They were 36 years old. They didn't do much anymore. But it, just having them in the team room, in the locker room, with the young players who are trying to get there is very valuable. And yeah. they just bring a sense of professionalism to every training session too, which is good yeah. because they know what a, a proper training session is supposed to be. And, and they don't let the younger players, you know, lose focus. So I, I really like those levels. And like you said, it, it is fun when you see somebody you recognize from having seen them on television, playing in the premier league or in, in the Bundesliga yeah. or whatever, all of a sudden playing in, in a, in a local league. And, um, but it's also you know, the hunger. I think it's the, the hunger, hunger at yeah. that level because mm -hmm. you, you know how it is. Um, you know, the case of Delhi, you know, Delhi Ali. Yes. Yes. Know? I mean, yep. you know, when you make a player a millionaire, you know, he, he's a, he's a, mm -hmm. he's a handsome chap, you know, he's living yep. in, the, he's probably got some incredible property in the center of London, you know, sure. he's being invited to parties by these supermodels and stuff. Mm -hmm. like, he's a multimillionaire. It, you can hardly be surprised if some people, uh, lose their passion for the game. Yeah, well, that's not the case at this level because these right. guys are fight, fighting for every penny. You know right. what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right. Um, we're running out of time here. It is Thanksgiving Day here in the United States. I do have a turkey dinner to get to very shortly. Um, I just want to give you a chance here to promote your promote your channel and your social media so that the listeners know where to find you. Yeah, great. So, yeah, I've had a really good time. So my, my channel is... Um, well, it's a bit hard to find because I'm sort of relatively new. Mm -hmm. But the channel's the name of the channel is Raymundo Football. So the best way to find it is if you type into YouTube uh, the the at sign and then mm -hmm. Raymundo. So it's R A Y M U N D O, and then the number is six three two. That's the. Uh, let me just double check that again. It is six three two. I have it up. Six three two. Yeah. Yep. And um, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. I'll put yeah, a link in the yeah. notes so they can just click it yeah. right from their phone. Yeah, I would say give it give it a shot. I've mm -hmm. made twenty videos already, thirty five videos, each one a different mm -hmm. stadium, and yep. I'm planning on uh, making a lot more. And we're going to try out some different uh, methodology as well. I want to just do a pure sort of interview with. I want to find a player, a football player, to do an Excellent. interview with, for example. Mm -hmm. Try try out some different things, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just want to carry on. I'm enjoying it a lot. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to compliment you on: I do like the the way you do your videos. They're very short. 
they are mm, you know yeah. three to seven minutes or so per generally, per yeah. video generally speaking yeah. and and for the listeners if they're perfect during a a break at work for example if you have a 10 minute break a coffee break you can flip open your phone and 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 scroll through and see and see a quick video of a stadium in spain and it's it's fantastic um i really like your work keep it up um thank you and thank you for joining me here today and i i look forward to talking to you again in the future because i have a few i actually have an idea for a project in the new year uh, on my other yeah. podcast that i'd love to run by you um um thinking of doing a little bit of a of an episode or two episodes on uh, on your club on nottingham forest and um and on Brian Clough, to be precise. So I would love yeah. your your input on on that. <laughs> the guy is such a legend. He has a statue in the center of our city. I bet. Yeah. So I do look forward to to working to collaborating with you some more. Um. And again, Definitely. thank you for for joining me. If I don't talk to you uh, before, then have a great holiday season. Yeah. You too. Thanks, Mike. All right. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. This is it, guys, for this episode of Mister Benfica. I'll be back with the regular programming in the coming days. We got Cup football this weekend. We're taking on Famalicão at the Luge on Saturday. It's an eight forty-five kickoff, Portuguese Standard Time. And uh, for those of us abroad, it's on RTP International. So we'll get to watch this one. This is the Mister Mike Agustinho, joined by Raymundo, signing off. And I'll see you next time here on Mister Benfica.